iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Hey, everyone. Thanks for uh, coming out. I am Jeremy Smith, uh, West Coast editor of Ain't It Cool News, uh, also known as Mr. Beaks. Um, and uh, without further ado, uh, this is a great honor for me. It's one of my favorite actors. I've been a fan since I saw him in Vincent and Theo back, uh, God, when I was in high school, about over 20 years ago or around 20 years ago. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, star of Lie to Me, uh, one of the best we've got, Tim Roth. Hello. 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 I feel like we should break into a song, you know. <laughs> uh, nice duet, romantic melodies. Well, I figured we'd just go person by person and see if we can, uh, you know, test out those lie detecting abilities. And oh, don't, don't do it. I'm not, I'm, uh, I have no idea when someone's telling a lie. I'll just get that done. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. That's why they hired me. Is that so? You're oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't. I try not to learn any of it. I try. I I pick up as much as I know. Um, I need to know on the on an episodic basis, but um, no. Some of it, I suppose. Um, I'm looking at as my son in here. So yeah, I know when someone's not done their homework. I absolutely know that without doubt. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I guess the first question, a uh, good place to start would be: I, Had you ever been? prior to this, approached to do uh, episodic television before, and what made you choose this show? Um, no, I hadn't. I'd, I'd, I've done the... Well, I've never done something what you would know as a network show. I've only ever done what we would call in England a TV series, which would be four one-hour plays kind of cobbled together, you know, um, stories that connect. But never something where you, where you week in, week out, have to come up with a, a drama and try and get, you know, retain the audience's uh, interest. It's, never, it's, it's, it's a very, very different thing for me. Yeah. yeah, and so when they came to you, I mean, were, were you kind of surprised? Were you, were you uh, at all taken aback that they would want you to, uh, you know, headline a series on Fox? And, and, you know, when you read the script, I mean, was this something that, that really appealed to you, that you really liked? Uh, no, I passed on it twice. <laughs> I... Um, but, but not because of the quality of the material. Um, it was really because I didn't know if I was ready to do it. I didn't know if it was something that I particularly wanted to do. And, um, and then it kept coming back, which was odd. And I, um, I thought, well, I took a, take a very serious look at it. And with the looming recession in mind, I took a very serious look at it. Um, and then I, then I had to uh, talk to them about what it actually meant to do something like this. And it's a huge amount of work. It's a very, very large commitment. And if, if it continues, it can go on for years. And, um, and then you have to look at the standard of the material and as, it, as it continues and uh, try and remain consistent. So it was a very, very big, big uh, thing for me to think about. But in the end, I think I made the right decision, funny enough. So the way you needed assurances that the quality of the, the writing was going to be, and, and the way your character would develop, I mean, this is much different from a film where you know, ex have an idea of what you can do with that character, whereas with a show like this, you know where you're starting, but throughout a season or, you know, maybe five seasons, how that character will develop, I mean, is not necessarily the same character he's going to be from that first season. No, I think he's different from uh, last season already, which I'm quite pleased about, to be honest. Um, he's developing, we're opening up, we're opening up all kinds of background 
to uh, making that available to me now, and um, so it gives me a much much broader kind of spectrum of kind of facets of him to play. I I um, I treat it like a play, if you will. If, you know, if I'm on if I was doing a long run in the West End of London or in Broadway here, I would uh, I would tweak it every night. You know, play around with different concepts and different ideas, even though within you're within the same structure. And I think I, I kind of think of it a bit like that. So then, how much input do you have in the writing of the show and the you know the direction they're going with the show? I mean, do you uh, I mean, do you go in in story sessions? Do you help yeah. guide the story? I do. Well, I, I spend a lot of time in, um, with the writers, or as much as I can, with the writers, and uh, they. For example, I would go in and they'll pitch the stories to me. They'll 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 um, tell me what's coming up, what they're thinking of doing episodes about, and bounce ideas off me and and uh, ask me what I think, how I think the actor would react, the uh, character would react in a certain set of circumstances. And and so you, I become very very involved in it. And now with the we, we you know there's a whole new group of writers have come on since last year, and with, with Sean Ryan from right. the Shield. Right. So it's a much I, I find it a much more creative process than it was last year. And I think that's something worth pointing out. I mean, the, the, the show started out, I mean, it was, you know, created by Samuel Baum. And then midway through last year, was it midway through the season that, that no, Sean Ryan came the on? End. Sean came on to do, I think, just, just a couple of episodes with us. I think it was around 11, episode 11 of 13. And he came in and he, was, he worked on The Shield and uh, The Unit. And he's very, very, um, very good at this stuff. And he produced an episode, which I, I mean, I don't know if... Um, <laughs> very uh, sick and twisted episode which caught my eye I liked it and so he you know when he came back on that's kind of where we took off right and what that was blinded was that, that was blinded one? yeah yeah well um, I like that one I don't know if you guys uh, if you saw the blinded episode with the uh, with it's uh, with a serial rapist and it was uh, it was very dark and uh, had a great and just a great narrative and uh, and even like a great B story I mean it was just a it, well yeah. put together episode yeah it was it was what we call the long con you know yeah. so even you know even people who are um around me who work around me don't know what i'm up to and uh and you'll see a couple more of those things happening well yeah and that's a great direction to take it um so and you know and i guess like going into this uh this season and uh with the, with this crew uh i mean do you feel that do you feel that this is? I mean, do you feel that this is any way like a different show than you signed on for? And and you know, no, I think in a way it's the, it's the show I signed on for. It's yeah. the one I wanted, and I've got it. Um, and I'm, you know, and it, but you know, again, the, the first season was a, a way of trying to find out what that might be. So I think it's a very good beginning for us. Um, I think I, I really as aspects of of the first season. I, I you know I don't watch the show myself, but there's aspects of of the first season that I really did enjoy. But, um, but I think that we've taken what was good about that and put it in, into this and lifted up the material, lifted, raised the bar a bit. Well, I think that's the, uh, that's the trick with a character like Dr. Lightman, who's kind of got this omniscient, uh, you know, he can't be beat. He can't be stumped. Oh, yeah, he can. You're going to see it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> he will be yeah. stumped. This. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that was the thing that Ekman, whose science is based on, was saying, well, you know, you constantly, you, you know, you can be wrong. You can, you know... So the trouble with Lightman is he's never, never wrong. So immediately we started going down that road. And uh, that's coming up. Well, and that's Dr. Paul Ekman, who was a psychi- psychologist who pioneered 
this uh, everything you see on the show, which is uh, all grounded in real science. I mean, that's I think what the great appeal of the show is that people are actually trained in this; they can actually do this. And and, and from what I can tell, I mean, there's I mean, of course, you know, you're you're exaggerating or maybe embellishing for dramatic purposes, but but generally everything is uh, it's grounded in real life. Yeah, I mean, the science, Ekman and, uh, and his team come into the writer's room and work with the writers to, you know, if you've got a, a situation, how best would you use the science in that situation and so on. And what, I mean, I know, for example, we're, in, we're doing an episode right now just finishing up in Vegas, you know, and it's poker players, which is kind of fun. And then uh, <laughs> and Ekman, uh, was it not Ekman? Um, Lightman has been banned from every casino in Vegas, you know, um, for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> We're doing that, and then with what was it, the hostage situations we've had, you know, uh, I shouldn't give the game away, but all kinds of stuff. But they're, they're, the writers, the uh, scientists are very involved in, with the writers and making sure we, we kind of stay in the right area, you know. Have you ever uh, challenged uh, Ekman to see if he can, you know, suss out whether or not you're telling the truth, whether or not you're being, you're, you're believable? Uh? No, it's impossible. <laughs> I mean, he, he's never, you know, you can't, once you do this stuff, you can't switch it off it's impossible to switch it off once you know it so I get quite nervous around him because I'm an actor um, you know which means of course you're lying all the time <laughs> and um, I get it makes me quite nervous I always sort of nip off and have a cup of tea when he's around you know quite he's, but he's a very calm and gentle and humorous man but my god you know it's it's it is quite worrying when you're around him well, so has that affected the way you uh, you actually perform? Thinking about you know every every gesture you make is something that is, I mean it, it's you know when you're acting again, like you said, you're you're not necessarily telling the truth. So you're, uh, I mean yeah, but my, my I'm in a very privileged position, which is that my guy, and this is Ekman gave me this advice, and it's good advice. He said I don't care what my body's doing. So I'm got, it doesn't matter what my body's doing. I'm not on stage. Whoever I'm looking at is on stage. And so I just developed a sort of a very odd physical kind of performance, which I liked, and put, it, put the character in it. You know. But I'm, I'm, he's, he's never being judged. He's judging everyone else. You know. Right, unless he's going up against someone like in the Blinded episode, which is, again, why that's such a great episode. You, you have a, a character. Performance, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that seems to be like the, that's the trick. That's the, uh, you know, the kind of thing that you would like to see going forward are people who can you know, or knock him off his center and, and, and get him thinking about, how he's presenting himself, how he's... Oh, yeah, trip him up. It's good stuff. Exactly. Uh, well, you know, we should... Uh, I mean, yeah, let, let's see what you guys got. Um, go out to the audience for some questions here. Um, I can... Uh, I'll repeat the questions oh. so we can... Uh, uh, sir, right here. I guess that's the the question is what's the difference between playing a character like Cunningham in uh, Rob Roy and uh, and the character of Dr. Cal Lightman in uh, Light Me? I think it's a, it's more in the in the in I think television acting is really very very different from film acting, completely different, and I quite enjoy it. I think it 
I think it would be. A, I think it's a very difficult and possibly a bad thing for an actor to go straight from wherever they come, you know, from the street or from drama school and into TV. I think it, you'd become incredibly. I don't think you'd learn much. Um, but I think for a film, if you or in film, you'll learn more about character and building character and so on. Television is about behaviour. It's a behavioural um, media. It's about convincing people that you're not acting at all. It's about it's, it's, it's trying to convince the audience that, that they can be you, that, that you're having a conversation with them in their living room. There's, nothing, there's no distance. And I find that there's more distance between the characters in real life uh, with film. And so when I, with this, I, you, I try very much to, for him to, to make him as naturalistic as possible, as, as crazy as he is, and, the, and as unnatural as the situations are that he's in. Um, I, I try to make him uh, accessible. On a, on a, in, in your living room once a week, you know, in a bonkers way. I don't know if that makes sense. With film, it's completely removed. I, and I think as, a, when I, as an audience member, when I watch film, I want it to be really removed. I want to be far away. I want it to be a magical place. And so when, you, when you're constructing a character, you can be um, much more fanciful, I think, when you're uh, doing film, the kind of film that I like to do anyway. A physical performance, uh, uh, an, um, an unnatural performance, uh, uh, something that's not... It great, grounded in what we know, something from another planet in a way. And, and Rob Roy was exactly that. I thought I was going to get fired for the, the things that I was doing in Rob Roy. And uh, you know, I really did. Quite seriously, when the studio saw it, I thought I was going to get my papers. You know? But in fact, they went the other way around. I liked it. It's completely over the top. And, and uh, until the very end, when the wig comes off and, all is, and what's revealed is uh, a very psychotic young man. You know? it's, a different, it's a different approach. Um, I think. Was it because they thought the, the character wasn't physically intimidating enough to challenge? No, no, sorry. No, I thought because they thought my performance was bloody awful, you know. I thought, because it, it, it was so grand. You, I mean, I, by the, you know, the end of the first week on set, you couldn't get me out of the door without bowing at 25 times, you know. <laughs> it was very camp and very silly and lots of fun until the final, the sword fight, you know. Right. And then you were nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor for that role, so. Yeah, so. There you go. It shows, <laughs> shows I know nothing. <laughs> um, right there. Yeah, so I have two questions. Um, what actors do you look for for inspiration, or what actors influence you? And second, will you sign my copy? All right. Rosencrantz and Bill We'll get. We'll get to that. We'll get to that at the end. What's the? I'm sorry. The first question was. What actors do you look for that inspire you? Uh, what, which actors do you look to uh, that inspire you? I look, I look at old movies. I go to um, people like Spencer Tracy and Cary Grant, David Niven. Um, directors inspire me quite often more than actors. In, in today's films, I think Matt Damon's pretty extraordinary. I think that George Clooney is what closely, most closely resembles a, a movie star of the 50s and 40s and so on. Um, Early Pacino, um, Gary Oldman, Ray Winstone, uh, people like that. Very varied. Meryl Streep, Vanessa Redgrave, Audrey Hepburn, Gregory Peck. Yeah, well, and Ray Winstone, who was, who was amazing in uh, The War Zone. Yeah, I got to direct him. I only directed one time. I got to direct him in The War Zone. It was pretty, pretty great to work with. So. Yeah, uh, and it's a terrific film uh, if you have never seen it uh, not children um, no 
uh, however uh, great drama. Uh, and it's been uh, now 10 years about since you directed uh, for your first and thus far only time. I'm wondering, uh, are you are you considering? Have you considered uh, trying to direct again uh, and looking yeah. for things? No, I, I, that's that's what I want to do. Really, I did um, just the one film, but mo- really, I couldn't do it after that because I was broke. I um, so you have to take quite seriously. We weren't well, getting paid very much for films, and so you have to take two years pretty much to do a film to direct it from working with the writers through and then making it and selling it and then it's out there and. Whatever, but um, so I stopped. You know, I, 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 in fact, I thought about quitting acting at that point. I thought about um, just giving, you know, finishing with that and going straight through to directing. It was Ray Winstone that convinced me to come back to it. Um, I've got two scripts. I've got one that uh, Harold Pinter, um, an adaptation that he did for me of King Lear, and I have um, an adaptation of a book that uh, was written by um, a, a social worker in New York which is a companion piece to the war zone. And he was, he was a, somebody who, who removes children from dangerous situations. And so he wrote his biography, autobiography. So two projects. So is Pinter's uh, adaptation of King Lear, is that, a, uh, is, is that a classical version or is that a, uh, updated? Is that you know, different? What way no, period it's, is it's it's set many, many, many centuries ago, but it's, it's, it has a, a slight twist to it. It's, very, <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful piece. Um, and, you know, that, uh, before we go back out, I mean, that's, that brings up the fact, I mean, you have collaborated with, I, I think, pretty much very close to most of the great directors working today. I mean, the list is phenomenal. And, and that's I think, speaks to the fact that, you know, people really want to work with you. If I could just go through the list, I mean, beginning with Alan Clark. Not when they've worked with me. After that, they don't want to work with me again. <laughs> Somehow I doubt that. Uh, I mean, you, beginning with Alan Clark, your first film, Made in Britain, uh, amazing movie. Uh, Stephen Frears, Mike Lee, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Altman, Tom Stoppard, Giuseppe Turnator, uh, Woody Allen, Peter Greenway, Michael Haneke, Tim Burton, James Gray, Vin Vendors, Werner Herzog, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, pretty good list. Yeah, they're all right. A lot yeah. of grumpy old men in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, very very good 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 group actually i've never done that before that's interesting uh well and so how does that work i mean is this uh are, are the, do you get it do you typically get a call is it someone who's looking to work with you uh you know do you ever reach out to directors who you really would like to work with uh well, um it, you, you know you 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 get a reputation and then you and then you build on that and you have a great group of people working with you on, on you know your agents and so on but um, I did do, do one time. I did a um, one, <laughs> one time. I, I wrote to a director. So I, when I was, um, that's true. I, don't, I very rarely do it. But I thought when I started acting, I thought I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll write to people who I really admire. Oh, Robert Duvall, by the way, that's another one. Gene Hackman. Um, so I wrote. <laughs> so I thought I'd, I'd um, write to a couple of directors. You know, as you do. So I wrote to uh, Kubrick. I wrote to uh, Scorsese and I wrote to Coppola. And years and years and years later, I was called into, I mean, 20 years later, I was called in to meet with Francis Coppola on another film, on On the Road, a Jack Kerouac adaptation. And uh, he was interested in me playing William Burroughs. And I, which I thought was a fantastic idea. So I met with him and he said, I've got something, I've got something. And he reaches into his bag and he, 
pulls out this letter that I'd written and this little photograph. And the photograph's about that big. And it's me sitting in my mum's um, living room with a camera when they had a cable and a plunger. I was like and I And I'm covered in acne and, uh, and wearing prison pyjamas. And I said, Dear Mr. Coppola, I really like your movies. If ever you need an English actor, I'm your man. You know, and uh, so on, so on, signed off. And he kept it. He read it and he kept it. And he offered me the job um, to work with him. That film fell through and then f- he came back for a second uh, shot at me on uh, Youth Without Youth. But it worked. So my um, suggestion would be just do it. You know, you never know your luck, right? Great job. Uh, any, uh, is Do you enjoy theatre work? I used to do a lot of it. I came up through the theatre. I came up through the British theatre, and I, um, yeah, and I recently did a film, uh, um, uh, play with, with Sam Shepard up in New York, called, a play of his, God of Hell. I have got terrible stage fright. I have chronic stage fright. And so when I got lucky and started being more and more in films, the last thing I did on stage in Britain was a metamorphosis, uh, Stephen Burkhoff's metamorphosis with um, the Kafka, of the Kafka play, which is a very physical p- part where I played the bug, you know. Um, and then I left, it, I left it behind. And then 20 years later, I did this thing with Sam at the actor's studio in front of 100 people a night, for, only for three weeks, and was terrified. Just ter- I used to walk about a mile backstage, you know, up and down. And I don't know if I'll go back. I, every, time, every now and again, again, I think I will, you know, but... It's, it scares me. This stuff doesn't scare me in the slightest, but being on stage does. really does. Um, oh, right here. Did you like filming Hulk? Yeah. Did you like filming Hulk? I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I did it for my boys. Um, and it, I, I thought it was fascinating, all the, the, the process of making one of those things, you know, because we would do all the movement for the monsters and, and uh, work with all these... Uh, free runners and crazy stunt people from France and, and we could do somersaults and, and Cirque du Soleil guys and all, you know, very, got very physical but got very creative and then you do the, the human version of, of, uh, of the character as well. We were running around in Brazil and Toronto. It was a lot of fun. I've never seen so much money spent on a film. It's extraordinary. <laughs> never seen that. It's huge. But um, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good thriller, I think. It's a good, pretty good film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I probably enjoyed it most. Out of all of them, to be honest. So you get to do like performance capture uh, as as abomination, you know, jumping around, fighting, doing all of that. I mean, that's uh, you get you to know. run around and go grr, you know, and smash stuff. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> throw the Hulk through buildings. Throw, yeah. No, that's uh, that's kind of why a lot of people get into acting. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how are we do? Uh, uh, right back there. Uh, question is, do you have any moments that you've improvised or, uh, you know, have improvised a moment on film that, uh, or, or actors, other great actors that you admire who have improvised um, moments, I guess? Well, I worked with Mike Lee, which was, I don't know if that yeah. really counts, but that's an improvised film. Um, but it's an incredibly structured process. I, I do it in the series now. I'm allowed. Because <laughs> <So laughs> they can't stop me, really. Um, so, but sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think... Um, I'm trying to think of a specific incident. I think uh, I did a little film called uh, Little Odessa, which is directed by uh, James Gray. 
And Vanessa Redgrave played my mum. And we did a scene that we, where, where I go to visit, she's dying, I go, I go to visit her, and, um, and we, we, we only had a couple of lines to, to do in the room, and it just, we just carried on. And I, I think it was probably that, I mean, uh, the, the way it developed, her, just her, her uh, demeanour and the way she was and, and the love that you felt immediately that came from her for her son, who was the devil, you know, um, was in a, in a way something that was completely improvised um, and was unexpected. And, and I think, I count that as probably one of the best moments I've ever had as an actor. So that would be one. Well, that's and, and also in directing Ray Winstone, where we would... The script was purely a blue, blueprint, but that was a decision that I made. So they f felt very free to improvise and in, in rehearsal, but not on film. So. And that's amazing uh, to think, because that was James Gray's first film as a director. Yeah. And he's directing you and Vanessa Redgrave in a scene together. Uh, I, you know, did, was there a sense that he just was going to let you go? Did you feel like you had that freedom, or, or did you guys kind of take it and run with it? No, James, had, James knew what he was doing. James was very clear about how he wanted to proceed. Um, I, I remember when I first met him, he said, I, you know, I was saying, who, do you, who have you got cast? Who have you thinking? Well, he said, I don't know, really. We don't, we're just started. And they grabbed me for it. And then they, I said, who's your ideal cast? And it was um, Vanessa. I said, have you asked her? He said, no. <laughs> and so he, I said, call her up. You never know. And she happened to be in New York visiting her daughter at the time. And... Um, said, sure, I'll do that. It's 25 grand he got her, you know. Got her time, and she was wonderful, wonderful. So you never know, you never know. Yeah. Uh, right here. Tarantino, isn't he weirder than a $3 bill? Isn't he what? Isn't he weirder than a $3 bill? Is, in fact, Quentin Tarantino weirder than a $3 bill? Quentin's always been weird. <laughs> I, um, he's fantastic. I mean, what do you want, boring? You know, he's, um, it's like, it's like with, working with him is like hitting the ground running, you know, it's like at a very high speed, it's like getting out, opening the side door of a car, doing 90, you know, and, and yeah, he's a very strange man, but, you know, takes a stranger to make films. You know? If you're on his good side, that's good, but if you're on, your, on his bad side, you're in trouble. Well, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, well, and that, that, that's life. Uh. <laughs> uh, but how you know it's amazing uh, you know once a week here in Los Angeles at the New Beverly Cinema uh, you know they do a midnight screening of Reservoir Dogs every night uh, so you're you're up there bleeding out every night uh, for uh, for the delight of theater goers I mean that film has endured uh, it, it's obviously it's just one of the most iconic movies of the last whatever 25 years um, when you, I mean, when you look back at that, I mean, did you guys, when you were filming that, did you have any idea that what you were doing was going to last and was going to impact the culture like this? Yeah, funnily enough, I think we did. I think, I think the Quentin, we th all thought the Quentin was extraordinary, and and uh, and and as the man says, very a very odd but but fascinating man who who had a vision, you know, had a some kind of vision, for, cinematic vision, and and the script was superb. I mean, it was it was hilarious and and dark and and uh, like just the right mixture. And I remember walking across the the, um, the we shot it in a, um, a morgue, um, appropriately enough, um, which has now been demolished. And in the, out the back was where the trailers and the makeup things were. And and uh, I remember walking out with Harvey Keitel. We both of us covered in blood. 
And uh, he's saying, what do you think? What do you think? I said, I don't know. I think this is rather good. He said, yeah, yeah, so do I. You know, don't tell anyone. <laughs> and a lot of that went on behind each other's backs. Said, I think this is really rather good because you don't want to jinx it, you know. And sure enough, it was, you know. It was. We shot it in five weeks, you know, about five and a half weeks, something like that. Uh, right over here. A question about Reservoir Dogs. Like, was there a lot of levity behind the scenes? I mean, you're doing these intense scenes where you're dying. I mean, you know, behind the scenes, were you guys all kind of serious? Were you laughing around? Even though you were dying, you know, on the film, uh, was there a lot of levity uh, as you were shooting Reservoir Dogs? I think it sort of depended on the actor, really. Um... Harvey was quite serious um, and was very um, drawn to me because it was a father-son relationship in a way. Um, Quentin was just busy, busy, busy. Steve, Steve and I got him very, very well. Steve Buscemi. I mean, that, there was a lot of humor there and with Madsen too. The three of us were kind of... And Chris Penn. So, um, yeah, I suppose there was, but we, we were so tired by the end of it. I, I think the work was, was very, very tough, very, very grueling. But we, were, we became obsessed. And then we went on the road together, selling it. You know, going to all these festivals and stuff. And that was when the... That was fun. That was fun. Uh, did you have any encounters with uh, Lawrence Tierney? Oh, yeah. Lawrence <laughs> Tierney. <laughs> yeah. He's a nutter. Um, or was... He, he hated me. Um, <laughs> like, really, really hated me. And then really loved me. And I couldn't work it out. <laughs> And, and, and uh, kids are gone? No, I bet. So anyway, I mean, full, full on language, you know, no holes barred. Definitely both passions. Um, but a fantastic man. He was, he told me, was he told me a story. He, um, he's an old school 50s actor, came up with Robert Mitchum, for those of you who don't know who he is. And, and he, was, he was California. And he, he loved it here. And, but he was got into all kinds of trouble. So that I think at one point, now I don't know if this is true, the police got him and took him to the state line and literally kicked him across it. And he was banished, banished from uh, California, therefore from Hollywood. So he went up to New York and caused all kinds of trouble out there making films. He was a remarkable man, an amazing man. But boy, was he hard work. Yeah, and, and I would encourage you to uh, just Google Lawrence Tierney, and uh, you, you will find some amazing Dillinger. anecdotes. He played Dillinger. He was the, he's the Dillinger. Yeah. yeah. He was, uh, uh, as far as I know, he was one of the first Dillingers, if yeah. not the first Dillinger. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, or any, any other questions uh, that, uh, right here? Uh, I guess just how was it like to work with Tim Burton? Is that, yeah. I think he's a, I mean, he's a, he's somewhat in, in, not in the, they're not the same kind of people, but they have a, a crazy imaginations. Um, the kind of imagination that I like in the, 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 the sort of books that I used to read as a child, these wild, like Roald Dahl and these wild adventures and, and fantasies and so on. He's similar in a, in, in a sense to Terry Gilliam, who comes from the Monty Python thing and has that absurdist and bizarre and surreal um, fairy tale uh, kind of imagination and creativity. I found it, he laughed a lot. And we used to, again, you talk about improvising, we were actually at some points improvising in Planet of the Apes. But I don't know if it was the, I don't know if it was the sort of, it was the Planet of the Apes that he wanted to make in the end. 
I think the, the one that he would have made and I would have made would have been a much more twisted and dark world. And uh, he was, there was a, a, a kind of leash on him on that one. I think he was glad when that was done. But I had a wonderful time with him. He laughed a lot. He always did. He still does. Uh, you know, I'm wondering on um, Lie to Me if you are, uh, if you're thinking about or trying to bring on any uh, any colleagues, any any particular actors you would like to, uh, you know, just do an episode with who, uh, you know, friends. Yeah, we did. Like, we wrote one for what, Ray Winstone, but it, we couldn't get him out out in, in the at the right time in the end. So, but hopefully we'll do that down the line. Um, I'd like to do that if if we can encourage. I mean, if we can find them when they're not working and bring them in, it would be fun. But it's a different. Again, when you approach television, you, um, I learned, I, my um, friend over here told me this, you have to, um, don't try and make it what it's not. It's pure television. So a lot of film actors find that very, find it very, um, I find it very shallow when you see it on the page. And in fact, you can bring a lot of layers and a lot of complication to it, but you have to, you have to take a leap of faith with it, I think. So getting film actors into television, although nowadays it's, it's pretty easy, fairly easy, but getting them to come in and do a guest spot on a TV show, I think it's kind of tricky. Do you think that's, is it the nature of the kind of show I, that, you know, it's more self-contained, whereas, you know, if it was a show where there was a promise of maybe a, a few episodes, like a multi-episode yeah, arc? No, is no that... I think the standalone thing is probably better in a way, you know, for you, know, you just come in for a few days and have some fun, you know. Hopefully we'll be able to encourage them in. But um, I don't, I'm not quite sure. Is there snobbery here? Is there still snobbery here between television and film? There may, there may still be. I think the barriers are coming down. Well, they, they, it, it seems that they are because I just the, the quality of TV over the last few years, I mean, shows like The Wire and, and yeah. Mad Men and... Uh, uh, you know, no, it's Breaking good, Bad. Very good stuff. Very, very good stuff out there. And and I think American television is is now getting to the point where British television used to be, getting to to the the level of quality that, that that we used to have. And now, because we started trying to copy copy the Americans, our uh, stuff is sliding off. You know. Well, you know, but sometimes I think we would do well to copy the uh, the British way of doing things. They they don't do as many episodes, and sometimes those those shows are just much richer. I mean, if you look at the original run of The Office or or Spaced or or, or shows like that, that they they really yeah. And we don't have as much censorship as you guys have out here, so we can that really helps. play around. You 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 have a fairly free run on cable, but your mainstream uh, media is heavily censored. So there's a lot of stuff we can't do, which we would really like to do. Uh, maybe that'll change. You know, hope so. Uh, how are we doing? Anyone had a uh, right here again? Well, this guy. Oh, you wanna? Well, yeah. Have you ever been able to study a real person for a role? You mean who's alive? And who is alive? Oh, based on someone. Yeah, but Scarface was dead, you know. Oh, the guy, the original drunk drug runner, nice fella. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I've no, not really. I've played people who are since dead, but uh, no, I don't, think, I don't think so. Uh, when you when you did Vincent, and this, this guy is just the science. The guy is very different from if, the, if this person existed in real life, probably be locked. Probably. 
Yeah, sociopath or something like that. Yeah, if you if you have that kind of power. Uh, when you did Vincent and Teo, uh, did you uh, how? Of course, there was the Lust for Life, which had already been made, and you know, and but did you did you look to that film? I mean, how did you build that character, uh, Vincent Van Gogh, uh, kind of a unknowable madness? Well, I'd in seen a way. I'd seen um, Zeffirelli was was it Minnelli. Uh, Vincent Minnelli. Vincent Minnelli's yeah. film, Zeffirelli, big difference. With Kirk Douglas. Yeah, I'd seen that when I was a kid. Um, and, and, I, and I was I tempted to go back and look at it, but I thought, uh, best not, you know. Basically what I did was I read the letters. I read all of them, but there's three very, very big volumes that you can get. And I did that. I came from, I'd been through art school. I'd been, uh, my mother and my father both were both um, painters and drawers and, so it was an appropriate thing for that it came to me on that level. So I could handle a brush. And then um, I basically, I suppose I based it on my dad, really. It was my father's hero, um, and uh, one of them. And um, I used a lot of the, the, the crazy, crazy aspects of my father in that, in that character and, uh, and took what I could from the letters and the paintings and, and then forgot about it all. I mean, Altman's thing was... This is one of those things you can research and research and research, and everyone's going to have a different opinion about it. So, just to make up, make up your own stuff, you know. And so we did. And uh, yeah, that was, all, that was a lot of that was improvised as well. By the way, that's an, well, and that's the thing with Altman was that I mean, he did he he would allow for that kind of improvisation. I mean, this was not one of his multi-character films, but it it you know there. Well, ha- well, the way that we, I worked with him was that he would. Um, you know, I would rewrite the scenes. I would re- do a lot of writing and, and then um, and work with Paul Reese, who was playing my brother. And, yeah. and when the actors, the other actors would come in, we'd, we'd get together before the scenes were going to be shot the night before or, or a couple of nights before, and we'd write them, work, you know, rework the script, re- rework it completely, and then um, come in and shoot them. So it was very, he gave, us, gave a lot of power to the actors, Altman, or, or seemed to. You know. mm-hmm. uh, right over here. Yeah, sure. Uh, what was it like uh, building What was it like building your character for four rooms? And uh, what was it like working with four directors? I think Four Rooms is a stoner movie. <laughs> I do. I think a lot of people who uh, ask me about it, so <laughs> uh, you know, it's. Um, <laughs> I st- I didn't know what I was going to do, and then. Um, the first shot that we did when we came to filming, I, can't, I think it was Quentin was directing at that point. No, it wasn't. It was... I can't remember. Alison Anders was directing, and I was in a hotel lobby, and a ghost was supposed to appear. Or a witch was supposed to appear. So she appears, and it's Madonna in a rubber dress, which is you know, going to scare you. And... I did this thing. I remember when I went to see Jaws when I was a kid and I saw it in the cinema. I, I remember when there's, there's a bit where there's a hole in the bottom of the boat. They've gone down in the water. Drusha tries to gone down in the water and he's coming up and a head floats across. And I jumped out of my seat, literally. And I found myself tucked up like this, like on top of the seat. Like that. And so I did that when Madonna appeared in the little bit. I think it was cut from the film. Um, and that was what I based the character on. And ever since after that, the mo- more extreme the physical um, stuff, the better. Has made up and and and, uh, and made him a cartoon. Just made him completely a cartoon, which I don't think that is what they were after. I think originally it was going to be Steve Buscemi, 
and he couldn't do it for some reason. So certainly not what they're after. And, and that's what they got. <laughs> it's very fun. Great fun. I think, I, I think it failed spectacularly uh, initially. It's become quite a cult yeah. movie. You know. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely uh, it has found some kind of an audience. Yeah, at uh, colleges. Yeah. No, always a good place <laughs> for those movies. Uh, you know, while I've got you here, just, um, I don't know how, if anyone's a fan of this. This is uh, one, of my, one of those great Woody Allen films. Uh, Everyone says I love you. Oh, yeah. And, and, you've, uh, and your character, Charles Ferry. Uh, who I wouldn't have been able to tell you his name. I wouldn't have been able to tell him his name. That's brilliant. <laughs> did you? You yeah. only worked. Uh, I mean, well, well, that that raises the question. I mean, how how long did you work on that film? But also, the, the thing I love about that character is the way he is. He's constantly invading Drew Barrymore's space. Yeah. There is just this this kind of he's on her constantly, and I love that interplay between you and Drew in that scene, uh, and, and and to the point where you're finally you just begin smelling her hair. Uh, and, and you know, I'm wondering if was that written? You know, was you know, how much latitude did you have in creating that character? Well, with Woody, the way he worked with me, I don't know how he works with other people, but with me, I, I got on very well with him um, as a as a director. And he he would say to me, look, he'd give me the scene and say, okay, this is a good line. This will get you a laugh here. This is good. This will serve you well. Whatever you do between that and this is all yours. And so I would just make it up. And uh, and that's how that all of that stuff kind of arose, and the you know the party and, and all of that kind of behaviour. He just wanted an invasion. He wanted these upper class people to have a little taste of what they were sort of um, comfortably from a distance saying was so important to them, you know. And um, and so I supplied it really, you know. I, but it was it was it was a, a free for all as far as I was concerned. I worked on it for seven weeks. I only shot for seven days, you know. But oh, wow. Woody makes his mind up when he's going to shoot. You know? Well, he works so quickly, but yeah, that it was a different film for him being a musical. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. After a fashion, it's a musical. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess uh, you know we're, we'll ra- start wrapping up here. Uh, did just thinking about how long this show could uh, could go on, and you know they they, they often uh, the the networks like five seasons. They like the uh, the syndication thing. Um, how do you feel about you know being yeah, doing this show for, you know, b- being in for the long haul. Well, I don't mind. I'm I'm game for it if the scripts stay, you know, of a good standard. I'm really happy to have a go at it. I, I, they, they, when you sign your deal, you have to sign for six and a half years. Um, is now the standard procedure. So if they, uh, but you know, we don't get to choose; they get to choose. So it's uh, you know, they can pull the plug at any time. So it's really just about the audience and how many of them want us to stick around. I think. On anything. I'm up for it though. I, I, I'm quite enjoying myself, although I am very tired, <laughs> as you can probably see. Yeah. He just came from shooting today. So, uh, so please. This morning. Yeah, or, yeah. So please give him a hand. Give Mr. Tim Roth a big hand here, guys. The show. Uh, and Lie to Me is back on uh, Monday, uh, this Monday, September 28th, 9 p.m. on Fox. Uh, and uh, yeah, so whether he's in this for long haul, it's up to you guys. Thank you so much for coming out, guys. Really appreciate it.